This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. Hello, I'm uh, Ali Rashid. Welcome to the TMS podcast at the Cricket World Cup. There's a mix-up. Oh, there could be a run-out. There will be a run-out. Oh. The tie. Australia is in the final. And straight towards Stokes, who takes an incredible one-handed catch. Unbelievable. Oh, that's gone. That's the record breaker. Over she comes, into the stands. And Chris Gale becomes the highest-ever six-hitter in World Cup cricket. Hello, welcome to the TMS podcast on the second day of the Cricket World Cup and the West Indies have got their tournament off an absolute flyer, thrashing Pakistan by seven wickets with 218 balls remaining. Kirtley Ambrose and Ebony Rainford-Brent alongside me to review some really hostile bowling from the Windies Quicks and Pakistan's dismal opening performance. Also on this episode, a fascinating interview with Joss Butler asking Adil Rashid about his mindset variations, his partnership with Moeen, relationship with Owen Morgan and much more. And you'll also hear from Kirtley Ambrose on his stint on Dancing with the Stars. Available every day during the Cricket World Cup. This is the TMS podcast from BBC. BBC Radio 5 Live. Really, I think the story of the day is about the West Indies bowling, uh, which was uh, aggressive, it was hostile, uh, it was fiery, it was pretty well uh, directed, I think. Uh, Ebony's here as well. Uh, one of those days, Kirtley, where I'd rather be sitting up here in the commentary box rather than batting against it, honestly. But if that's, if, if, if that's the way they're going to to play, I mean, it's a, it's a plan that you can see succeeding elsewhere as well, I think. It, it probably can. Because most bowlers today figure because it's one-day cricket, they can't afford to be aggressive and be baby bowl a couple of bouncers. But cricket is cricket, and bouncers are part of cricket. And I believe that you know the the plan this morning with the West Indies bowlers worked to perfection. They really hustled the Pakistani batsmen. They had no answer, and was really destroyed in, in the way they played. I mean, you've got to have the pace. You, 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 I mean, you've got to be big enough for them. I mean, they're big lads, aren't they? These West Indian quick bowlers. They're, they're not all fast. I mean, you wouldn't say Brathwaite was fast. Of course not. But he's strong and he's tall and he, and he, and he, he does get the bounce. Yes. Um, Andre Russell, O'Shane Thomas, they've got pace. A lot of people tend to underestimate Andre Russell's pace. But he's quick. Yeah. And, uh, of course, Gabriel not in the lineup at the moment. But they got a few guys who can bowl up to 90 miles an hour yeah. and really, you know, keep batsmen on the toes. Yeah. So that's, that's all good for them. Can you see this continuing? Is this going to be the, the, the West Indies way? Do you think in the next game's Australia? That would be an interesting, interesting yeah, challenge well, if they bowl like this. Well, it was noticeable looking at the two teams. For me, Pakistan, they, I thought they used a good short ball, but they're a little bit slippery, aren't they? You know, they, they skid the surface, kiss the surface. Whereas the West Indians, it seemed to rear a little bit more off length and really awkward at times to play... Um, I just think the fact that they've got so many that can come in and Andre Russell, who actually you're not expecting him to bowl too many overs, comes in at a tricky time and makes things happen. I think there's a little bit of extra wrist in there coming in. Um, look, I, I think they're dangerous. I've been saying from before that I think that they look like a side that could cause a lot of problems in this tournament. And I was basing that on their batting because I think bringing in Russell, um, having Evan Lewis lining up when he's fit, etc. But actually, the bowling today stood out as something that could really add to an all-round performance. Yes, the bowling certainly did well, but I still believe, and I have to agree with you, Ebony, I still believe that the batting is going to be the key. Mm. That's why I said that if the West Indies win the toss in any condition, they should bowl first. Mm. 
on whatever target they face, I believe they can chase it down. Because, I mean, we've seen in the Tri-Nations tournament in Ireland, I mean, I mean, Bangladesh beat up on us so, so often and so easily. Mm. The ball, they never really showed up. So I think the batting is going to be the key. So they should bowl first every time they win a toss, in my and, opinion. And you have to give credit to Jason Holder today. He took himself out of the tack quite early on, mm. got Russell in. But then when it worked, he brought himself back and picked up wickets at the back end. So negotiating nicely. I think Shane Thomas looks like he's getting up the man of the match. Well, there's Viv down there looking very trim. Uh, your fellow Antiguan Kirtley. <laughs> yeah, so over. Viv, yeah, looking rather smart. He's looking very smart. <laughs> he, 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 he always looks incredibly fit. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, he's the, always, yes. There's Viv. But anyway, Shane Thomas, who, who, who came tearing in. I mean, he's, he's, he's not a subtle bowler, Thomas. I mean, he's just a big lad. And he comes in and bowls, hurls the ball down. Four for 27 he took from his, uh, his 5.4. Over, so he's uh, he's been the man of the match. Holder three for 42 and Russell two, two uh, for four. I also thought, okay, one catch went down, Kirkley, uh, with with Hetmar dropping uh, Barbarazam, didn't he? When he had 12, he should have caught that really. But otherwise, there has been some talk about the West Indian fielding. Again, we're going back to the, the, the big big fellows in the field, how mobile they're going to be and so on. But there were some excellent catches uh, taken in there as well. They look they look pretty good to me. Yeah, that, I thought the feeling today was very very good. Because there's times when they look rather shabby in the field, to mm. be quite honest. But um, it's going to be very, very important that they feel well. Because you can't afford to drop top-class players. It could, it could cost you. Yes. So the field is going to be very, very important. And they did well today. They weren't under any pressure. Let's see what happens when they're under a bit of pressure. If they can sustain that, that brilliant feeling. Yes. That's a different ball game altogether. Yeah. What do they do with Chris Gale? Well, today they could get away with it. I mean, they could, stick, you could plant him but slip, uh, and, and that was, you know, they didn't have to move him out. But you could see, I mean, every time, every run, they're throwing the ball at his end. They're making yeah. him run. I mean, it, it, it doesn't look mobile, but he, what an eye he's still got. Yeah, he's never a mobile cricketer, even when he was young. He's always this stiff sort of character, doesn't really move well in the field or between the wickets. But he's not there to run too many singles. He's there no. to really take attack apart. And on his day, he can do that. Um, he went off with a hole in his back. I don't know if it's anything too serious, but you're quite right. You know, apart from feeling that first slip, where are we going to put where him? Where you put him? <laughs> you know, it's going to be very tricky. So, but Chris Gale is Chris Gale. This is going to be his last World Cup. Yeah. And I'm quite sure he wants to remain fit, first of all. You know, and, and go to the bang because I'm quite sure that he's going to send a message that even though I'm approaching 40, you know, I can still give it a good walloping. So he want to go to the bang and let's hope that for us in his cricket's sake, he can stay fit. Well, one thing we were just talking about uh, off air is looking at the, the, the lineup of fixtures at the moment. So they're not playing again till Thursday. Thursday, yeah. Which means for someone like Chris Gale, maybe uh, Andre Russell might have rolled his ankle. That's plenty of time to get yourself back in Nick. And actually, their spread across this tournament is quite generous. So that works in his favour. We talk mm. about luck in, in moments on the field, but off the field, if you've got a good good bit of space between you know you get in the physio bed you get a little bit of stretching you'll be ready down. to go yeah, yeah he's more than ready to go available every day during the cricket world cup this is the tms podcast from bbc radio 5 live well a chastening tournament opener for pakistan the match finishing before two o'clock local time after a 10 30 start atif nawaz from the bbc's dusra podcast was here at trent bridge probably wishing he'd stayed at home
Oh, that was devastating. I can't believe I came all the way from London to Nottingham to watch that car crash of a performance. Do you know what? I want to give them the benefit of the doubt and say, you know what? Actually, maybe it was the West Indies who outplayed them, which they did. But still, 105? Are you kidding me? Come on, Pakistan. This is not what your fans expected. Yeah, especially after losing four straight games to England and five before that to the to Australia and just multiple series losses after series losses after series losses. Like, you got to do better than that, surely. Come on guys come on <sighs> well at least there's some respite coming well clearly not they've got england on monday and that's not going to get any easier is it of course the tide that's number one in the world that's destroying all sorts of world records that destroyed south africa in the first match all you got to do is beat them to turn your fortunes around <sighs> man I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be positive at least muhammad amir came through and delivered uh, bowled beautifully and it was good to see him bowl well and with rhythm. And, you know, so many people have backed him in this team. And a lot of people said that, okay, you know, maybe he's good enough, but he hasn't proven himself. Well, he certainly proved himself today. And particularly with that dismissal of Chris Gale, you know, accounting for the wicket of a set batsman, especially one as destructive as Chris Gale. Sure, the game had been taken away by that point, but still, it's a big moment and it bodes well for Pakistan. Even if they lose the next game, which, let's face it, is a very real possibility, at least we know that there's still seven games to go after that. So, realistically, they need to win at least six to qualify for the semi-finals. They've still got a chance, but looking at this West Indies team, boy, they're going to take some beating, aren't they? I don't know who's going to do it, really. <sighs> Pakistan. What I'm feeling right now, only Pakistani cricket is capable of delivering the feeling of utter disappointment, yet still hope. It's unbelievable. I can't believe I'm still hopeful about Pakistan's chances in the World Cup, considering the way they played today and the way they've lost and the fact that they've got a much tougher game to come in theory. But I still think they're going to deliver and I'm still excited about the rest of the tournament. Let's see. Just a couple of facts here. That was the fourth shortest completed match in terms of overs in World Cup history. Uh, the fourth shortest, I mean, there's a lot of games and uh, that's remarkable, really. Uh, and Pakistan's innings of uh, 21.4 overs is the third shortest in uh, Cricket World Cup history for a team to be bowled out. So that puts it rather into perspective as to what we've seen here uh, today at Trent Bridge. Do you, do you think there's a mixture between the short ball getting them out directly and the short ball getting them out indirectly. The one or two I thought maybe got out because of the, the, the bowling that had been short and ferocious and, you know, they didn't yeah. like it very much. Uh, yeah, they didn't like it too much. And one or two of them tried to take on a short pitch bowling and they didn't succeed. One of the things that I find, if a fast bowler bowling a couple of short balls, what a batsman needs to do is just ignore them, maybe duck, swear out the way and then the, the bowler must be the result of something else. Yes. But if you're going to look like you're, you're not facing it well or try to take them on and you're not comfortable, at least pair the bowler to even bowl, keep bowling short. I think the best way for a batsman to do is just sway all the way, maybe duck, and the bowler must find something else to do. Yes. Because it's not that easy because you can only bowl two and over and it's such a narrow margin, so isn't it? it? So, so it's not just a place, you know, if people listening think, oh, I'll run up and bowl short. Actually, the, there is a lot more to it than that. You've got to get it in such a defined area yeah. that's not too high and also not a wide, of course. Mm -hmm. But also it's going to be in the area where either unsettles a batsman or makes him take on that hook shot. So it, it, there's a lot more to it than, than, than simply running up and hurling the ball halfway down the pitch. Of course. You've got to, uh, like Andy Roberts, the great armbars, you just say he could measure a, a batsman very well. Knows where to bowl a short ball. And he was one of those guys that did some damage in his time. Oh, yes. The great Andy Roberts. 
But um, cricket has changed, and the short pitch bowling, you know, you don't see it very often because, I mean, you could be wide-ed or, yes. you know, that's one for the over, and then you want to keep one in, in, in your arsenal just for surprise. So the, the game has changed quite a bit, and I don't know, Jonathan, if I will survive in today's cricket because there are too many rules and regulations. You, know? <laughs> you were never much of a conformist, Kirtley, from my memory. I mean, I wouldn't say call you a rebel necessarily, but, but no, I know what you mean. But actually, were you playing when they actually ruled out short pitch bowling altogether in one day cricket? Because that, that was in for a little period of time, wasn't it? Where you, you couldn't bowl any short balls, it was just automatically, automatically a wide. But, and then people say, come on, this is ridiculous. It's getting so one-sided now. Yeah, so they, 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 it's, it's a good thing they brought it back. I mean, the yeah, bowler's got to have something. I've always believed that there's no better sight in cricket than a great fast bowler versus a great batsman. A couple of short pitch deliveries, having you hopping and skipping, hitting you in front of the square or out of the ground. It's a great sight. Sadly, it's not there anymore. Mm. He hit me on the head once. Oh, did he? He did. Do you remember it? <laughs> I do remember it because I remember it very clearly. I was because what that scar was. Well, no, because because I went down. It made a terrible noise in the helmet. I thought, great, <laughs> I, I could retire hurt here. <laughs> so I went down and realised actually I was all right. It was a bit disappointing. I had to carry on. It didn't last much longer. But no, it's not. It's not a nice thing. It's not a nice thing to face people like that. No, no. He, he, he provoked me. That's what I did not provoke. I'm going to go it. looking for this on, yeah. on social media. <laughs> Someone has got this clip. Please send it. I don't usually yeah. bore sharpish deliveries to tail-enders. I, I try to get them out. I don't want to waste my energy and effort. <laughs> but Agnew, he, he, uh, he no, annoyed me for I, some reason. I would never provoke you, Kurt. I'm not that stupid. Did you give I, him the stare? Did you give him the stare? After you, after you got him, did you give him the He didn't the have to. Stare? No, he didn't have to. He didn't last much longer. <laughs> <laughs> no, it did. But it is true. It is, it is part of the game. And we've seen today... I mean, everyone listening back in the West Indies, I'm sure many are. I mean, and there is, there is. I, mean, I was there a couple of weeks ago. I mean, there is, there is some expectation there now. I think with the way that the West Indies have played against England for a start, mm -hmm. I think you can just feel that there is some some proper enthusiasm again and feeling that the West Indies should do well in this tournament and they should be encouraged by what they've seen here today. I believe they're going to do very well. I think they're going to do much better than most people think or most people expect, and. Um, they could really spring a few surprises in the World Cup, you know, but they've got to be consistent. I'm going to interrupt that. Nick Esch is with Jason now. Jason, congratulations. <laughs> that was over pretty quickly. You can all look forward to a nice early shower. Yeah, it was a good game. You know, I think the bowlers were outstanding today. Um, all of them ran in and gave a really good effort. You know, we got wickets early and, you know, we kept our foot on the accelerator. Um, as I said just now in the post-match presentation, it's been a case in the past where we've eased off and let people back into the game. But, you know, it's really good to see the killer instinct in the guys today. In terms of your, your plan bowling to these Pakistani batsmen, lots of short pitch bowling we saw out there yielded quite a few of the wickets today. Was, was that a clear plan going into this game? Um, yeah, we just wanted to be aggressive. I think the nature of our cricket, we just want to be aggressive. Whatever we do with the bat, the ball, and also in the field. And, you know, it's good to see the guys running and really hit the straps. You know, we were aggressive and caused problems. You know, we looked threatening, you know, which is a really good sign for us going forward in this tournament. In terms of the uh, the batting as well, we saw Chris Gale enjoying himself out there, but he was struggling with that back, and, and then he got hit on the foot as well, hobbling through for those singles, struggling to even walk towards the end of his innings. How's he getting on? Yeah, he's getting on. That's it. You know, um, you know, we all know the, the importance of this tournament. You know, I'm sure Chris will make sure that he's you know fit and ready to keep going. Um, it's been a long toil for him personally, and you know, it's good to see him out there firing for us. You know, one of the things that stood up for me is when even when he was in pain, you know, he sent the physio back off the field because he was willing to see it through to the end. It didn't happen today, but you know, credit to where he played. 
Andre Russell as well, rolling over on his ankle. Is he going to be fully fit for the next game? Yeah, the beauty about this tournament, we've got some time in between games. I think we've got five days off before our next encounter, so more than enough time for the guys to recover well. Um, you know, we'll see how to pull up over the next few days. Of course, fantastic performance here today with, with ball in particular. Uh, but eight matches left in this World Cup. This is a, a long old competition with the format, with every side plays each other. You've got to keep that momentum going, haven't you? With all that gap in between those games that you've got, how, how do you keep that momentum going? I think the biggest thing for us is to stay fresh. You know, we've got to stay fresh and make sure our players are 100% when we step on the cricket field. If not 100%, anywhere close to 100%. Um, you know, we've got one or two niggas within the camp. It's just about managing our players and making sure that we can have them, you know, firing when we ask them to come and fire. So I think the most important thing for us is just to keep fresh, um, make sure we, we stay fit and healthy and, and perform on the field. Best of luck for Thursday. Thank you. Available every day during the Cricket World Cup. This is the TMS Podcast from BBC Radio 4. Five Live. Right now to a very special feature then with some fascinating insight into the art of leg spin in white ball cricket. Adil Rashid will be key, of course, to England's chances in this tournament. We've asked his good friend, Joss Butler, to get him to reveal some of his secrets. Hi, this is Joss Butler and the TMS podcast have asked me to interview Adil Rashid on what it's like to be a leg spinner. Uh, so Adil, at the start of an over, what is going through your mind? And when are you thinking what deliveries to bowl? Um, so for me, what's going through my mind is I'm looking to be nice and positive, aggressive. My first mindset is look to look to get wickets. You know, look to stick to my strengths. I keep I keep saying that sticking to your strengths. Whether that's if you if you're a quick leg spinner, sticking to that. Or if you're a bowler, that gives you a bit of flight, sticking to that. And being and being brave. So it's about being brave, sticking to your strengths, and and backing yourself to get the wickets. One of your big strengths is you've got lots of variations. How do you decide when to use them? Uh, that's more of a gut feeling for me. Um, it's not. It's not a thing that I will say. Right, top of mark. I'm about a googly now. It's more of a thing in action. You see a batsman move. It could be a thing of right last minute googly, uh, or a slider or a leggy. So for me, it's more of a in the moment thing. At times you do set up batsmen's leggy leggy googly, but for me it's just looking to really mix it up and ball ball quite a few. Uh, obviously in um, the game now, lots of aggression. Times you get hit for a six, how do you reset and come back from that? Um, I think it's, it's 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 accepting that you are going to get hit for six. That's part and parcel of uh, being a cricketer, being, well, being a bowler or a spinner. You are going to get hit for sixes. But for me, it's about coming back and being brave again and, and seeing seeing sometimes if you can go again and if you can go again as opposed to sometimes going to a ball and get flat or whatever. So it's about, again, being brave, having that positive mindset again, knowing that if I do the same ball again, he could miss Q and get up. I think Owen Morgan obviously uses you a lot to take wickets. Do you enjoy that uh, role in the side? Yeah, definitely. You know, it's obviously nice to know that from your skipper that he he backs you and he and he and he you know, keeps it simple. You know, so to go out there, look to be aggressive and create chances. So that's what I'm trying to do. And with him knowing that, and also the players knowing that, I think it's a it's, it's a good place for for a spinner to be in. For example, um, say there's two set batters uh, going very well. Um, do you always feel like you're a man you want to be throwing the ball in that situation? Uh, yeah, I, I like I like bowling in any in any situations. You know, sometimes at the death it, it can go the other way, but I actually enjoy the, enjoy the challenge. Uh, you know, you can always change the game uh, in, in a couple of balls. So if, if there's two batsmen set, you know, they're going along nicely. I, I don't I still back myself to create something, create chances. So, seeing you bowl a bit more at the end of an innings as well, do you enjoy that challenge? Yeah, definitely. I uh, I really enjoy that a lot actually. Yeah, there's times that you know you may get smashed for thirty or whatever and over, but it's not having that mindset, it's the mindset of, right, I can get wickets here, I can change the game, I can be the match winner. It's that kind of mindset as opposed to thinking, 
right, I could go the distance. So is it fair to say a lot of the time your mindset's not about uh, looking to contain? Um, maybe it's something that's what Mo and Ali's job, maybe what you two guys work really well together and you're always looking to be aggressive and you're willing to risk uh, going for boundaries to chase wickets? No, definitely, yeah. Me and Mo work well in, in that way. You know, Mo knows his role, his role, like you say, maybe to keep it tight and to go up four and over. My role is to go out there, create the chances. So working working that way, it works quite. It works. Uh, it works very well. But you know, it's, it's it's simple. You know, it's a simple game plan for myself. You know, trying to be really aggressive, create chances, and, and try get wickets. Just describe like, what kind of relationship you need with a, a wicketkeeper. Do they uh, any use to you behind the stumps, or is someone like myself pretty pointless? No, no, you're quite good actually behind the stumps. You know, we we talk quite a bit of. Uh, you know, if you see a certain batsman, if he's uh, looking to play a certain shot, if he's good at the sweep or if he's good at coming over the top. So, we just, you know, it's good to obviously know the keeper sees that. You know, you can give indications of, you know, ball a bit wider, ball wrongens to him or ball it slower, ball it quicker. So, you, you take it on board. But ultimately, I think that's obviously that's what the keeper sees. But ultimately, I think as a spinner, you've got to go with your your gut feeling and your gut instinct uh, to what you want to ball. So, you don't really listen to what I say? <laughs> no, no, you, I say you listen. But if that is if you think you know what, yeah, we listen. But sometimes you know you listen, you take it in, but you think you know what, you know I, I got a different way. I'm gonna do my way first. And if that doesn't work, once two balls, then you go right. You know what? Let me actually do what the keeper's saying here because it, it might be his way. But I think at first it's, it's really sticking to your gut feeling of your strength and what you really believe that will work. How has your mindset developed over time with a lot more experience? Um, you know. When you were a younger player, did you find it easy to come back from tough overs, or has that something that's been developed as you've as you've got older? Uh, for me, it's something that I developed as I got older. Played more cricket. Um, when, I was, when I was younger, I think like, like like most youngsters now, you know, if you ball, you get hit for sixes or hit, get get hit. You know, you can you can get disheartened and you can get a bit upset, and you know, you can get a lot of pressure can get onto you. But but what I've found is is really getting on you know the, the you and the captain have really got to be on the same page and if you've got the captain's full backing recent I don't mind if you get hit for sixes or four it really brings out the confidence in a, in a player so myself like you said now as, as I've played more as and as I played a lot more international cricket plus with Morgs as, as captain now you know he really you know as a captain if you, if a captain says to you, you know we don't mind if you go for runs as a, then as a spinner you'd really just go out there and really just try and enjoy your game and don't really think about containing and stuff, especially as a, as a wrist spinner. You know, your job in the team as a wrist spinner is to look to create chances and if the captain, if you're the captain on the same page, uh, page as that and you get smashed and you get hit for sixes, then um, uh, it's, it's, it's fine because you know that you try to do a job. The captain knows that job as well, but it just didn't work. So the, main, the most important thing is knowing that the captain is on your side and you're both on the same page. So Jose, how do you actually find keeping to me and uh, you know the differences maybe keeping to myself or, or Rashid Khan? So what's the differences and the, and the challenges you, you find? Uh, I think the differences between the two of you guys you mentioned there are obviously he bowls a lot faster than you bowl. Um, probably doesn't spin the ball as much uh, either way as you can but just bowls a lot quicker. Um, I think the great thing as a wicketkeeper when you are stood up to the stumps um, to someone like yourself is you know you can affect the game. Um, you can spin the ball both ways. Uh, so whether it's a left-hander or right-hander, you feel really in the game. Um, you know you're going to be aggressive with the way you bowl and looking to create chances. And I think you know it's probably the most fun you have as a wicketkeeper is keeping to guys like yourself who can turn the ball both ways because you know you're always in the game and and especially in this format with you know guys looking to come after you as well. Then it gives you a great chance behind the the stumps to to affect stumpings or take catches. You've uh, played against me and played with me for many years now. When did you first really start picking my variations? I'm sure it was 
very first time I bowled here, but nah, I pick you with my eyes closed, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, no, I think uh, that's one of the challenges of keeping to guys like yourself. You obviously got great disguise with your variations, so um, you've been a bit luckier as a wicket keeper compared to a batter because you've got that bit more time and. Um, you know, you can see it off the pitch a bit easier as well if I don't quite get a read from your wrist. But I think, you know, that's one of the relationships we've tried to build up mm. is keep to you in, in practice days and, and you can tell me which balls you're going to bowl so I can try and get those cues. You know, so then when we do get in the middle, you, you don't have to think about it and yeah. I can just react. So what's the number one or best tips you would give, you know, to a, to a young keeper, you know, for, uh, keeping against spin bowling? Um, I think the best tip I can give is, is volume really is you know get in the net and just take lots of balls um, you can be frustrating sometimes with the batter in front you feel oh, I'm not catching that many but that can be really good practice as well because not every ball comes to you you know when you're in the middle but you need to be ready for those balls every time even if you know batters do miss ones that you don't expect them to as well so um, I think the volume you can take you know just keep catching lots of balls you know especially for guys you know, trying to learn to keep to guys like yourself, I think you need to be doing it lots in practice so you can sort of start to get that read on, on your variations and, and how you look to bowl at certain batters. And as a, leg, a young leg spinner, what uh, tips and advice would you give them? Um, I think first and foremost, you've got to make sure you, as a leg spinner or any spinner, you enjoy it. You've got to enjoy what you're doing. And also, one of the main things I found is you've got to have a, make sure you have a big heart as a spinner. It's not being afraid to get hit for sixes. They say, you know, a risk spinner is also a risk spinner. So, you know, it's, it's going there and being encouraged to spin the ball, not not being discouraged, to, you know, to ball it fast and whatever. So being encouraged to get it above the eye line, spin the ball, and not being afraid to get hit for sixes. There will be times that you get hit for sixes, but know that times that there may be times where you can, you know, get five for and change the game. So it's having a big heart. Uh, enjoy what you do and, you know, play with a smile on your face, really. So really enjoy that. We have Joss Butler asking most of the questions uh, and Adil Rashid there uh, explaining about uh, the art of wrist spin through his eyes. I hope you find it interesting. A bit different too. If you've got any suggestions for future pieces you'd like to hear with uh, the England players, let us know at TMS at bbc.co.uk. We're listening to that. Ebony was here and also Graham Swan knows a bit about spin bowling. <laughs> Does that all sound familiar to you? Yeah, I think what I was really hoping to hear then was how... like he would just affect his grip or affect his uh, release to get more dip on the ball or, or to alter his pace. But, but I think what that showed, that interview, is that Rush doesn't actually think like that. He spoke about gut feeling and about not deciding let's go. I think one of the beauties of Adil Rashid and one of the reasons he's so different from Moen Ali, Moen thinks about what he's going to bowl. He plots his over. He gets in and out of the over. He's very, very clever like that. That's why he's a good tying down bowler. Yes. Adil Rashid doesn't. He bowls on gut instinct. Um, and the question of grip for, for a googly and, a, and an orthodox leggy, I mean, I was never really very good at that, if I'm honest well, with you. It's but, not but to think that you, hard. So he, you, you can actually decide the last yeah. moment to bowl yeah. a wrong one. So it, 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 depending on how you grip it, if you're a... So you, the leg spin normally uses his third finger to, to affect all the big leg spin, but if you have your first two fingers sort of separated on the seam as an off spinner would, a googly is just when you go to bowl it you basically have an off spinner's grip and you flick it out of the back that's how easy it is to bowl a googly so you can do it very much last yeah. minute I thought that was the most, 
for, for me, that was quite the surprising yeah. part of it. Where actually, I, yeah. I, I, I would assume he'd walk back thinking, mm. right, I'm going to bowl a goobie. Yeah. You know, think yeah, well, that was, uh, that was the first thing that stood out to me, was to, to have control of your skills that you haven't plotted. It's, it's not like you, you've preset as you're running in. He's clearly got control of all these variations that at the last minute, he can bowl it and change it and still control what comes down. So mm. to me, that was good. The other thing I think, which is kind of maybe missed a little bit in that interview, but he alludes to, is he's being backed by his captain to Absolutely. know that he's going to be an aggressive bowler. So yes. he can go out there and just bowl with freedom, let that instinct and gut come out. A different captain who maybe needs to know what's your over, how might actually get in the way of his success. Yes. Well, I think it's the complete reason he's a very good one-day bowler because Owen Morgan's in charge and, an, let's face it, a very ordinary test bowler because Joe Root doesn't. Joe Root puts men straight yeah. on the boundary, has played too much red ball cricket with him to back him he because bowls, he doesn't back himself. He bowls more bad balls in test cricket yeah, than he does he's in, awful because, yes. I mean, what that, that says a lot of it and Ebb's picked mm. up on it, absolutely. He needs to be backed. He needs an arm around his shoulder. Yes. When he says, you've got to be brave, you've got to be brave, it's like he's trying to convince himself You've got to be brave, you've got to have a big heart. You must stay in front of the mirror and say, be brave, be brave, be brave. Yeah. So there was a bit of bravado in that answer, which is good, which shows he's continually trying to you know, self-empower himself to, yeah. to, to be this bowler. But, but yeah, I don't the whole think it, mindset, it, it, though, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a generation of, of John Embry firing it in and Peter yeah. Willey firing it in, and all sort of spin bowling was negative, negative, yeah. negative, defensive, defensive, defensive. I mean, that, that's changed completely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, I used to pull my hair out watching that. And I just, yeah. When I first started playing, Nasser Hussain had written off finger spinners in this country because he had been brought up in the old system where that's all they did. They weren't wicket-taking options. They weren't expected to be aggressive. Um, and I used to think that was absolute nonsense. That's what I do. Why should I fall into that yes. so I'm glad that they don't know that spin will play a massive part in this World Cup those middle 20 overs mm. for any team will um, will win two or three games in the group stages because England won't always be able to blast people out with Archer or get 350 the other thing I was going to say that adds to success again which was alluded to is Moeen Ali down at the other end so he has got that control that backs it up so it works in a partnership you've got a captain who lets you be free you've got somebody at the other end who is miserly keeps the control I think it all builds to him being able to be successful the TMS podcast at the Cricket World Cup well it's been great to have Curtly Ambrose with us on this episode sounding excited about the West Indies prospects after their terrific bowling performance a little earlier today he spoke to Simon Mann about his stint on Australia's TV show Dancing with the Stars. It was an opportunity to show that Kurt Leambos have a softer side. Because once you mention Kurt Leambos, the first thing that comes to mind is this big, mean, aggressive, fast bowler who doesn't say much, who doesn't smile. Well, there are two sides to me. My dance partner was very short. She was five foot four. Right, okay. I'm, I'm six eight. So that, that's really a challenge from the start. But she was a wonderful girl. We had a wonderful time together, great chemistry. And I had a great time in Australia. Could you dance well before you went into it? I've never done ballroom dancing before, but of course I could dance. I'm from Antigua. We're naturally rhythmic people. You know, I mean, everything is about rhythm. So I could dance, but ballroom dancing was something different. Had to go and train every day, four or five hours every day. It was hard, but, you know, being a dancer and have good rhythm, it, it didn't take me too long to get into my strides. Mm. And people kept asking me, if it's, what's the difference between dancing, ballroom dancing and cricket? It's totally different, not even close. Cricket, you could pace yourself a little bit. It depends on the condition. You could decide, okay, I'm going to go flat out or I'm going to pull back a little bit. You could pace yourself during cricket. With dance, ballroom dancing, there's no pacing. You know, you got to put in the work, got to make sure all the steps are correct, yeah. you know. 
I gotta be thinking, do I move on my left foot first or my right foot? So mentally was draining. Yeah. How long you did know? that be before that became automatic? Well, um, after a couple of the first couple of dances, I was more concerned about my first performance because I never, I didn't know how it was going to go. So once I got the first one out of the way, then I felt more comfortable. And the second dance, we danced to a reggae tune, obviously, it's right up my street. I was really in my element. So it got better as I progressed. But my first dance to me was the hardest because I didn't know how it was going to go. And I wanted to get it out of the way. Yeah. Did it get your competitive juices flowing again? I mean, it, it certainly did. During rehearsals and stuff, you know, when I keep messing up, I judge myself very hard. And I strive for perfection. I don't like to screw up or anything like that. So sometimes when I mess my step up, you know, and I was like, get being hard on myself. My dance partner was, no, you're doing okay. Half an hour ago, you couldn't do it. No, you're doing it. You know, I, I mean, messing up is part of it. And I was kept saying to her, well, you know, being, a, being an athlete, being a sportsman, you know, that's how I do. I really mark myself very hard. So sometimes it was frustrating, but she was so comforted. You know, you're doing well, you know, and she, she really kept me going. So we had a very good thing. And just final point on this, in, yeah, in, in Australia, in Sydney, did you get recognised the whole time? Because you, obviously, you, you play cricket, people recognise you from that. But, you know, you've gone out of public consciousness for a bit. But being on TV every yeah, week, you get suddenly I, get mobbed again. I was a bit surprised, you know, walking around Sydney from time to time. People keep stopping me on the, on the, on the street. Hey, man. I mean, I, I love you when I was playing cricket and now you're dancing with the stars, you're doing well. So I guess I have a new career in dancing, you know, but I kept, you know, I, I kept getting that. People, man, I watch you dance with stars, you've been fantastic, you know, I love when you're playing cricket. I think you're better cricketer than a dancer, you know, I get that kind of comment as well. But I had a wonderful time in Sydney, in Australia, and I mean, I just enjoy my dancing. Yeah. So what was harder then, cricket or dancing, like physically? Did... Physically, the cricket was harder, obviously. But mentally, I think the dancing was much harder mentally because in cricket, like I kept saying to the people, if you bowl a, a bad over or two in cricket, you can always make up somewhere along the line. In dancing, you make one wrong step and you could flow up the whole routine. So mentally, it was more draining for me. Cause I, I got to keep thinking, do I move on my right first or my left foot? Because if you go on the right foot, when you should be left, the routine is spoiled. So mentally for me, it was more draining. The TMS Podcast at the Cricket World Cup. Don't forget to subscribe to the TMS Podcast for new episodes every day uh, during the World Cup. We've been asking you to email us here at TMS at bbc.co.uk with the least likely cricketing places that you're listening to us. Put podcast in the subject title. We've had some very good ones uh, during today's game. Uh, Wayne listening in southern Taiwan. Uh, not exotic, uh, somewhat distant though I suppose. Martin, dear all at TMS and loving the podcast. Very excited about the World Cup. I've been listening in the hotel gym in Port Moresby in Papua New Guinea. I know it's not the most unusual or least likely cricket place to listen from, but my driver on a visit here last year enjoyed telling me that he played against England on an under-19 cricket World Cup. Orm Thacker from Maputo, Mozambique, uh, part of the Commonwealth, despite its Portuguese history and an ICC member. There's a bit of cricket going on, he says. I played cricket uh, with a British High Commission team against an Indian embassy team for Commonwealth Sports Day last week. And finally, Rebecca, 
Ciao, TMS team. I'm listening in Verona, Italy, whilst working for a company that leads and develops international Italian wine education. What courses. a job that is. Bit of is. a job swap, possibly. Well, uh, absolutely. For a few of us here. But do you fancy some cricket commentary? We'll, we'll, we'll do a swap. <laughs> and the last <laughs> yeah. thing I have to do is get you two, because you haven't joined in this sweepstake yet. Who's left? Who's left in this sweepstake? Well, there are quite a few. Look at the bits of paper. There's quite a few. And I drew mine out yesterday. I'm quite pleased with mine. If, it, is, say, if it says... It, if this is going England, to be the it, highest mean. scoring batsman in the tournament. Oh, okay. okay. So there's a little envelope here which is getting increasingly stuck. <laughs> and I'm going to get all them in position. You've got to pull out the name. Ebbs, ladies first. Yeah. Of course. I mean, can I, was, I just. I was going to say Owen age Morgan. before. Beauty, really got but Owen yes, Morgan. thank you. I bet someone's there. There you go. Let me just shake this around a bit. I don't yep. want to so this is the highest scoring batsman for England? Or for, for anybody. For anybody. Yeah. Well, yeah. All a bit Do you think Morgie could be the man? Uh, that's Ebbs. the one I want to put my name he's on. He's in good nick. He's in good he nick. Great. Reveal yes, all. Yeah, I don't think I'm in. Oh. Angela Matthews, Sri Lanka. I just don't. He carries their team. Yeah. He carries their team. Very fine player, Ebbs. He's a very fine player. I just have a feeling it might not be there. You might be unlucky there. Well, I hope so. Swanee. I seem to pull out two, so I'm just. Now then, I'm not entirely displeased with Rohit Sharma from India. Oh. Because the top run scorer in this tournament is going to be a top order batsman. Yeah. The, the stats say so. I've uh, read into it. I'm a huge stat man, as you know. I think Swanee might. Can have... I go again? No, you can't. <laughs> That's uh, from all of us uh, here. This uh, latest episode of the podcast at the World Cup. Uh, it's the first double header of the tournament on Saturday, uh, with two of the big guns in action: New Zealand facing Sri Lanka, Angelo Matthews. Uh, before <laughs> Come on, Angelo. Australia's day-night clash with uh, Afghanistan. I might drop Aaron Finch into Australia one. By the way, that was mine. Yes. <laughs> We're on air from 9.30 in the morning. Uh, don't forget, you can watch all the match highlights as they happen via the BBC Sport website and the app. Keep your emails coming in with the least crickety places so you listen to the podcast and we'll speak to you tomorrow. Goodbye for now. The TMS Podcast, available every day during the Cricket World Cup. Hi, Adam. Can I just get you just to record something for the podcast, basically? All I need you to do is just say, hi, this is Adam Rashid. Uh, you're listening to the TMS Podcast at the Cricket World Cup. Um, sorry, no chance. Make sure you gotta speak to my agent on my other half, brother Mo Moinali. You know, he vouches for me as well. So if you can't, you know, if you get hold of me, you gotta get hold of him. Thank you.